What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a somber, bittersweet uh, Star Wars conversation here on Octo Radio because we have reached the end of the Mandalorian season. Sans a behind-the-scenes documentary that we will be talking about. Uh, a little bit of that Disney Gallery action is coming up, but in terms of the narrative, we have reached the end, and we had to bring a hitter in. We had to bring in someone that could close this because he certainly doesn't talk about this stuff enough. He certainly has not analyzed it from every single angle on multiple shows. No, 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 certainly not. This is the host of the Four Center podcast feed, along with Jennifer Landa and Joseph Scrimshaw. He is the creator of the Game of Thrones podcast, Casterly Talk. You've known him from internet punditry over the past years in a multitude of places. There's new projects on the horizon that we will be talking to him about, as well as his book, Why We Love Star Wars. This is Ken Knapsack. Man, I just, I'm just excited to be back here on Octo Radio. You work in radio. I'm back in radio, which is weird, but I started in radio. So I just, I just, can I do the weather? Octo, we got a light fog coming in, a heavy rain, clearing up just in time for the Linnae party. Get on down there. Go on, tell them the Ray sent you. You'll get a free light whip. Yeah, it's like we're giving up a Linnae uh, caretaker party tickets coming up here after the cure. Uh, it's like <laughs> seven, Seventh caller gets tickets to the, that Linnae party. Now, you, you don't want to miss this. Yeah. And, oh, I would love to like sit on top of the mountain, like in the, the prime Jedi, like seeing, you know, seeing stone little pool there, yeah. uh, hang out with, with Luke and just, you know, just spin, spin records with him all day. That would be a beautiful time. We've never seen anyone in the star Wars world sort of have a job that is like, so like just entertainment based and superfluous outside of like singers and dancers. There's no late night. There's no radio. I, imagine like Foden bead maybe would have a show. Foden beat him. I could see that there. Yeah, I, I've always kind of wanted that. There's definitely some news reporters that, that pop up and, and some of the new canon stuff. I think that's great. Billy Patterson and I talk often about that too. But yeah, I, I you know, and it's weird. I almost don't want it to f- define like the refresher being revealed. Like we got to assume there's bathrooms in space there a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. But even when it got it, I was just like, I don't, I don't need to spend time in the Star Wars refresher. Uh, same with the <laughs> entertainment. Like I don't need to know that there's movies TV shows and Star Wars, but also it would make sense that there would because I, I celebrate Dexter Jetster and his diner, which means there's a good omelet in, in my Star Wars world. So I, I, yeah, Absolutely. I think one day we'll get that. I mean, that was even part of my experience at Galaxy's Edge was, you know, I was standing in the urinal and I was like, don't let them see you looking around, Alden. It's going to be really weird. But I was kind of like, well, this is what it would be like, huh? All righty. <laughs> like, Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, so that's a, that's a conversation for another time though, talking yep. about, uh, the bathrooms of the Star Wars universe. The back uh, tubes of Star Wars. Yeah. If you want us to actually rank the refreshers, uh, it's definitely Padme's apartment number one, but you know, yeah. that, that more on that later. Um, yeah. this is a conversation on an, uh, you know, an episode, uh, where nothing, nothing really happened. I would call it filler. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is going to be the conversation on the rescue chapter 16 directed by Ant-Man and bring it on's Peyton Reed. Uh, really excited for him just because I feel like it was sort of a, oh, you thought that I could only do spiders and frogs. Well, how about this? Uh, it had a little bit of a punch to it. Um, and what's interesting about this is that you and I, at the time of this recording, we've talked about it in other places. Uh, I want that to sort of be like full disclosure. This is not a reaction. I don't even really like reactions. You don't really like reactions. We share that <laughs> in our, uh, our views on the content space. And so we're going to dive in, having sat on this for a couple days uh, while we're recording this. And if you're listening to this, you've sat on it now. 
um, for, you know, a few days yourself. And we are being able to dive in now with time, with room to breathe, with a perspective, having talked about it with our friends. You talked about it, um, obviously, with Joseph Scrimshaw on Force Center, The Mandalorian Report. You talked about it on Star Wars Explained. I was on Talking Bay 94 with some friends talking about it. So this is sort of our... We've lived now in a reality where Luke Skywalker has returned. We've lived now in a reality where Moff Gideon has tried to start, you know, booking wrestling matches aboard his light cruiser, trying to get Mandos to fight. Uh, It's an interesting time to be a Star Wars fan, and we're going to dive into all the implications of the story, everything that's happened on screen, what it can mean, a little bit of the future. Um, We're going to keep it loose. There isn't really a format to these conversations. We'll take any tangent that you throw out, Ken, anything that you want to dive into uh, as we move through the story. And so my question for you to start is, what was it like for you to experience this episode as somebody who holds Return of the Jedi in such a certain esteem? You talk a lot on your shows about, you know, seven-year-old Ken, about the imagery of, of the green saber, about how that was the first one you really remember. And I sort of felt like this was a spiritual uh, successor, or at least playing in that same ballpark. Lambda class Jedi Luke. What did you think as you were sort of soaking it in? I had no, I had no idea that this was coming. Like a lot of people didn't. And sometimes you do, whether scoops and leaks or, or you know things you hear, and and so much stuff started to happen this season that had either been completely leaked or part of a scoop. Uh, things I had, I had one particular thing I had heard two years ago, and, and so when stuff stuff starts to happen, you can start to as a fan just be like. Oh, man. All right. Is there any surprise left in the world? And this did surprise me. Not that it hadn't been speculated on and people were already starting to call for this. Uh, even maybe even prior to the Ahsoka episode, I, you know, there were some things like, what if Luke were to show up? What if Luke were to show up? And I am one who does enjoy that the Mandalorian, particularly season one, lives outside of, of the, the, the core rim, the core world, so to speak. Yeah. But I do like those kind of connections because it's the same world. I have been... Um, you know, we'll talk about Carson Teva, how much I love that character and how much I just felt like he represented me going, someone in the New Republic has to pay attention to all this. <laughs> so that said, when the X-Wing flew by, there was 1% Carson Teva, 99%. I wasn't necessarily like excited, moved, tears, like a lot of other people I've seen. And, and, and I'm so excited they experienced it that way. I just went, by golly, they went for it. They did it. Yeah. Uh, they connected it, and it makes a lot of sense for me in terms of the story and the timeline. And as as that seven year old, and as someone, I'll never deny I wanted him to ignite the green in a fashion like this in the Last Jedi. I just, upon getting the Last Jedi and thinking about it, ended up liking that more than what this would have been at that time in his life, at yeah. that time in the story. That's a burning pot you and I can jump into later. But to see it now, it was fun, it was meaningful, and they handled it. CGI side, we can discuss that too in a second. But how they handled it, the Luke that, that, that we saw is in line with what I saw on Battlefront 2, the great Pileo scene where Luke is voiced by the great Matt Mercer and uh, Del Mico and, and the thought, the philosophy of that scene, which I love. Uh, Walt Williams, Mitch Dyer, wrote that uh, story part of the game. I think it connects to that. It connects to Shattered Empire, Luke. It connects to the Luke that uh, is standing there watching his father, uh, his body uh, burn and and 
knowing that now he is the last of the Jedi moving forward. This all lines up and I'm excited to see just another little, I keep saying a, a bread trail of, of, of crumbs uh, yeah. or breadcrumbs on a trail uh, is the right way to say. Uh, and and that, that excites me and that, uh, especially after reflecting of it, is what I really enjoyed about it. Yeah, and that's why I love doing these conversations a little bit after the fact because you're able to sort of consider the whole a little bit. You and I sort of have a similar philosophy on observing and consuming Star Wars like an unfolding document, like it happened this way, and therefore I would analyze Luke in the same way that you know people nowadays analyze like Alexander Hamilton or or, people analyze you know uh, uh, pop culture people like George Lucas. Like this is the story that happened. And even if I had, you know, my expectations and my predictions get placed in my mind into the same compartmentalized category and they're cast aside at the door. When the door opens and, and the smoke comes in and the green blade, I'm like, well, that's just what happened. Like, that's, that's a historical <laughs> fact right there. Uh, fact. Yeah. yeah, it's just a fact. And, and once you consume it that way, I feel like it's liberating because you're able to start looking at the lines that are drawn. And shockingly, if you're listening yeah. to this, uh, I have a bold, bold revelation for you. In the same way that Vader and Anakin are the same man, this is the same man as the person that we saw in Last Jedi. And so there is meat there to consume. There are, are, are connections that we will talk about. Um, but it is really interesting, you know, you talk about that, you know, you know, by golly, they're doing it. I had a similar experience when that slow next wing flew in. I looked at it and thought, okay, well, is this going to be a fleet? Like, am I about to see like a bunch yeah. of, you know, New Republic people all come out of hyperspace? Then Cara Dune has that line of like, lone X-Wing, like we're saved. And then I thought, oh goodness, oh goodness me. Okay, this is going to be, you start preparing in your brain in those weird ways of, I have to be yeah. ready to, to talk about this. I have to be ready, you know, to tweet about this. I have to be, and then I thought, no, 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 no. Try to be like Grogu. Just look at the screen. Just <laughs> look at the screen. Let your ears perk up a little bit. So that was a... An experience where this was, I think, more so than any other episode, any other chapter, um, was one that was like, we need to, we need to rewatch, we need to rewatch it without the, you know, the, 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 the uh, you know, unrelenting excitement sort of getting to you. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, we're talking about Luke, we will get to him sort of as like a main event type thing, which I feel like is, you know, that's sort of how you covered it on Force Center of like, we will, we will dive into that. But in terms of you know setup and in terms of where we are in the story. It does open, you know, with a breakneck pace, this Lambda class, Slave 1 chase that's happening, which is really cool just in terms of the element of original trilogy, you know, toy play, uh, Mm -hmm. seeing that sort of come to fruition and seeing them board this uh, Dr. Pershing, you know, escape ship. And immediately we start to get even more sort of the perspectives on the world. So I'm curious how sort of how you felt about the Imperial perspective that's presented the underlining of, you know, Cara Dune's, you know, Alderanian trauma, how you felt about Pershing and sort of those elements that were pre the light cruiser, you know, that set up yeah. even of uh, going to that bar and meeting Bo and, and Cosca Reeves, sort of how did that whole prologue sort of feel to you? And Axe Woves was out g- going to the bathroom with the blackfish, Brendan Tully, apparently. <laughs> Pumping on out. Uh, I love. I did love uh, a lot of what the intro did. I- I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, you know, you- you- people can discuss this episode kind of in, a- in chronological order of what happened in the episode, but I think this is already overlooked in the conversation. Uh, it just feeds a little bit more into what we have got in, in- and what I say modern canon and whatever you want to say about that era, Disney era, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they they they've consistently taken a realistic look at the battle of of uh, you know the rebellion against the empire. 
And it doesn't necessarily just fall into heroes on both sides. I think that's, and I know George used that for Revenge of the Sith, and he got to explain that more in the Clone Wars. It's not all mean about Terry's. There's also yeah. some bad people in the Separatists, and they're run by a Sith Lord. So uh, that wasn't, that's, you know, a different conversation. But uh, as far as the Empire, that, that guy, the, the, the pilot, uh, I, I loved it because it, the statement was, hey, you, you were a terrorist. Uh, it was worth it. And everyone cheered when millions of my compadres and colleagues and friends died on that station. And, and that's why I'm hurt by it. But what he's saying is I, I then, along with the organization I served, chose to um, continue to be on the wrong side of the galactic history. And that, that's driven very clearly, uh, you know, to me, just her, her just like no questions asked, but boom, pew. Uh, I thought I loved it. And, and, and it's something interesting about the character of Cara Doom. Uh, this is a character who has, you know, lost her kind of will to fight, like wasn't being, pl- you know, that, that's great stuff in her introduction of just like, I was here to fight. We won. I'm from Alderaan. And then next thing I'm, I'm, I'm escorting dignitaries, not what I signed up for. And now here she is rediscovering the choosing of that side and what that means. So I thought it was pretty powerful stuff and fun stuff. I never knew a Lambda class shuttle could fly unless you had it on in your backyard in 83 <laughs> uh, kind of version. So yeah, I, I like that opening segment. So I, and, and Pershing, by the way, he rolls fast. Uh, you know, he, he'll, he'll give you the information you need. Which is oh amazing. yeah. Pershing. I mean, talk about, you know, the millions on the death star, and, uh, you know, I'm sure somewhere out there, Kevin Smith sort of fist bumped and he was, you know, independent contractors, you know, that, that clerk's conversation that has lived in, in geek culture for so long. Uh, Pershing is one of those guys that's like, I mean, he kind of is sort of like a sciencey Bodhi Rook or he's like, look, yeah, they pay really well. All right. You want to know where the dark troopers are on this cruiser? They're here. Uh, bathrooms over here. Churros are over here. <laughs> like he's yeah. just laying it out. Like, please, you already shot my ear. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, it's- yeah. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. He, I mean, well, he's you, an interesting I, guy. You, well, you, you brought up the Kevin Smith thing. I want to go into that for a second because, uh, first of all, I'm, you know, cry all you want. He's gotten a lot, keeps getting a lot of heat sometimes for that he cries over this stuff. There's a lot of bad things in the world. You want to cry over a space movie? Go for it. Find that joy. Find that emotional pull. I'm with you, Kevin. Um, though the clerks thing. So I was in film school, you know, starting my radio career when that happened. That was big because. There was an entire legion of secret nerds who were like, number one, we've had that conversation. And two, we can now talk about it in public and insert it <laughs> in our content. Wow. Like I was on the radio and not letting people know that I loved wrestling and Star Wars until I started along with my radio partners in interviewing wrestlers. We got in touch with WWF at the time. And I got people going, why are you talking to this guy, Hunter Hearst Helmsley? Like, what do you, we're a rock station. I'm like, People love this stuff. Um, so that's a big moment in pop culture, the clerk's conversation. However, it also fuels, I think, this line of thinking of, yeah, those rebels might have been wrong too. There's things they did along the way that are dirty, morally ambiguous, leave a stain. And that's part of, I think, the journey of Cassian Andor. Well, I'm excited about that series. Mm-hmm. But I think people, uh, uh, it continued, again, it's, it's, this isn't uh, one side, one side. This is, the empire, an impressive regime that at some point you might not, you might've signed up because it needed work. You might've signed up because you didn't know. You might've been even on the Death Star and didn't know that it blew up a planet, which is part of, uh, I think some of the stuff in Lost Stars, Claudia Gray's uh, book touches on a little bit of that. But, and, and, and the rebels had to do that to do, but that's the thing, they had to choose. Yeah. Star Wars wants you to examine your choices. 
And so, uh, again, we're reading a lot in. We're, we're, at, we're 20 minutes in and we're 20 seconds into the show. No, for sure. Uh, but, but that's yeah. the stuff that I love, though, and, and that I know that you guys love over on Force Center is those, those connections, those implications, and, and the fleshing out of perspectives, but also um, never losing the fact, you know, it's, it's the Qui-Gon of it all. Like, I turn to the light because it's there. It's like, we will show you the Saw Guerreras and everything that might be morally ambiguous, but it is also never losing the concrete belief of Star Wars that if, even if you're, if you're a, a Mothma or a Saw, you are still facing this together. There is still an evil that is, you know, for every Bodhi Rook out there, it's like, yeah, that's great. And we're glad you made the right choice in the end, but all of your coworkers are still being run by Sheev Palpatine. It is, you know, still underlining that, which I love that he shoots his co-pilot because what yeah. this show does really well is it expands things out and then always snaps everything back in where it's like, oh, he's saying some truth, but then you're like, oh, he killed that guy. And it reminds you of in, in the heiress of like, you know, the electric cyanide capsule guy of, yeah. you know, they are a wounded animal right now. They're yeah. more vicious than they've probably ever been as a regime. And we see that sort of transition into the Armitage Huxes of, and Phasmas of the world and how they are the sloppy neo-Nazis in the metaphor. You know, they're the loud kids. They're, they're holding on to this thing long after the galaxy has, has said, we have, uh, you know, we're changing a little bit and come along for the ride. Because uh, this is separate to me. What, what, look, no, I think no doubt Favreau, you know, uh, we can we, this fictitious version of Favreau has emerged in the podcasting circuit, and I'm part of having fun with that. I'm a fan of his stuff. I love Cubano. You mean the, the Favreau that should be running the studio? Yeah, well, that, and I don't necessarily agree with that, but like, um, you know, I, I know, yeah, the, the, you're, you're, you're throwing us into that burning pot already, huh? <laughs> uh, though I did with Luke's stuff, but no, no, I'm a fan, I'm a really fan of him. Uh, um, um, but I also just know he was like showed up and was like, let's do a series about Boba Fett. Oh, can't, can't do that. All right, I'll find, find a way around that. He's got to fight the Empire. Well, the Empire, uh, we got to determine how much they exist. It doesn't matter. I'm going to give him a Star Destroyer, an E-Web Blaster, and all the things I collected. So that, that could have butted up. And again, I'm not uh, that kind of cannon junkie that's going to uh, um, have a checklist of things that you, you, you retcon this. How does it work? And I want to engage for it how it works. And I've had some slight issues going back to, well, Early on with, with, with Werner Herzog and, 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 and the client, it, was, it it's fe- felt like 10 stormtroopers in their old uniforms they didn't clean up who were just like, I guess I need work and I don't know, this is, I don't know a way to change from my path. It's clearly grown into bases and Moff Gideon kind of assumes that title. I think it's been forgotten. He's an Imperial Security Bureau guy who just kind of like sees this power vacuum and claims this title of, of yeah. Moff in a way, we might get more of a story. Anyways, I'll just say I want to distract myself too much here uh, and, and take it on the wrong path, but I, I, I love what you're saying because the Empire here in this show reminds me they didn't get, go to the first, uh, with the First Order. They're not out with Raceland. They're not, they're not part of the Emperor uh, Palpatine. Uh, you take the rocket ship to Mars and the rest take the rocket ship to the Sun plan. Um, but they're left behind. They have no other choice. They're understandably follow me on that word understandably upset because again as this this pilot says you you all cheered while we died i understand that's gonna hurt you um but then they're holding on they're holding on in such a violent dangerous reckless way yeah Uh, and that now starts to work for me more than it did in season one so i've been i've been i've been happy to see how that plays out completely agreed i had the similar reactions where 
you know, Giancarlo, you know, being sort of our, uh, this season's uh, loose-lipped player where there, every season seems like it has, uh, or every, every Star Wars project has that guy um, who's just like, yeah, we call it the Mads Mickelson. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Everyone's like, put me on the press tour. I'm, I'm, I'm giddy. I'm excited. Uh, he teased like Gideon having, you know, we didn't know if it was a light cruiser or a Star Destroyer or what it was going to be. Uh, but he, you see the light cruiser, you see the, the forward bases, the labs and everything. And you're like, the canon nerd in you is like, well, isn't Jakku four years ago? Like you had your year of struggling after Endor and then we stamped you out firmly. But at the same time, once you see those desperate moves and, and those themes coming to the forefront, it sort of becomes more palatable. And in and, and the same way of we spent season one and then the year to season two being like, I still want to know why he doesn't take off his helmet because I watched Rebels and then they answered that and you were able to insert that into the tapestry and everything. And, and everyone listening, drink, because I said tapestry, the, the word that I, I will, never, <laughs> will never stop saying on the show. Is that your word here? Yeah, we have our four center bingo card of uh, phrases and words Joseph and I uh, just love. So I, I, uh, I understand what you're saying. Well said is one of ours. And yes, well said. <laughs> well said indeed. Now, now you get to drink twice. It's going to be a fun time, but that's how we get to the I, end. I, 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 it's not lost to me that here we are having this conversation. I do have a, you know, a Pathfinder rebel helmet on, a rebel helmet hat. Um, but it's not lost to me that I drink out of my Imperial Death Star briefing room uh, mug talking about how bad the Empire is. No, yeah, you, you took that off of somebody that you defeated in, uh, on a Pathfinder mission. You were like, oh, this is nice. The Empire's got cooler toys. It's just the way it is. Sorry. I mean, they always have it. And we'll get to some of those toys in a little bit with uh, these dark troopers. But before then, we got to, speaking of drinks, we got to stop off at a bar here. We have to stop off at a bar on, on a planet that I found really aesthetically pleasing. I really liked whatever this was. Um, some people have like, is this like a Lothal? And I can see sort of the fields of Lothal um, aesthetically kind of has that. Um, there's, you know, some, some industry, it looks like, you know, and, and lots of, you know, smog and everything. And they land yeah. here. Um, you know, eagle-eyed fans have pointed out that Sabine's uh, frenemy, uh, uh, Ketsuo Ono's ship is parked there. Um, right. So you will assume, you know, in terms of the canon that maybe they have a this is like another watering hole, one of the thousands of watering holes of questionable yeah. figures. And we show up here, and this is the great um, Mando debate turned wrestling match, quite literally, with a tornado DDT um, mm -hmm. being implemented in, in this scene. We have Bo-Katan and Koska Reeves, uh, mm -hmm. basically two factions, you know, did the Din and Boba team, um, having to strike an alliance here. And it's a... I have, you know, a goal that intersects with your goal. It's very Star Wars in that way. Um, it's very Filoni to do that. It, you know, it made me feel like the end of Rebels where it was like, we've got Vizago and Hondo and, and you know, and Wolf yeah, yeah. and all these guys. And we all don't really have yeah. the same lifestyles at all, but we all want the same things or, or need to take out the same guy. Uh, so how did you sort of feel about the episode taking a second to lay some stuff out on the table that it's not really going to deal with right now. And now that we know about Book of Boba, which we will get into, but the episode yeah. does take that moment to say like, you know, your father, don't you mean your donor? And they, we have a little bit of that, uh, that tension. Yeah. Did you think that it was uh, yeah. necessary? Did you think that it was, you know, peppered in well? It was peppered in well necessary. It's, it's a, you know, you and I both agree that's a, that can be a dangerous word in fandom of what we feel is necessary, but uh, it did some interesting things to me. First of all, you know, I, I been in wrestling, love wrestling. You love wrestling. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Sasha Banks, Mercedes, uh, uh, Vernado, right? Vernado, yeah. Vernado. Um, 
uh, my, my, one of my wrestling friends, uh, Papadon, the Greek god Papadon, a uh, big uh, guy out in the East Coast, he texts me. He's like, I love that tornado DDT spot. I was like, yeah, it's great. Um, you know, look, and it is, uh, she, cut a, she cut a good promo. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. For wrestling, it was a good promo. Um, no, that whole scene, what it did for me, I, you know, again, something, the story doesn't need to cater to me, but for me, I love the old men Fett stuff. I didn't grow up a giant Boba Fett fan. I also like the idea that Fett's a bad man. He's had some bad things happen to him that he was effective, he affected by. He is driven by his obsession to kill a Jedi in the story that we know that, that George put in for us there. Uh, and and it, 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 it spoils him. And he's no father figure, mother figure raised by Aura Singh at one point. I guess you could say with the Cad Bane, maybe there's some mother, father uh, uh, stuff. The uh, deleted unknown, will we ever see it? Uh, Boba Fett, Cad Bane showdown. There's a lot going on with him. Mm-hmm. A lot going on with him. Um, but I also want, I didn't want him, I did want him to deal with his identity. And Joseph and I have been talking about our dream campfire conversation between like Bo-Katan, uh, Boba Fett, and Din Djarin about what it is to be a Mandalorian. The whole show's kind of that, but we wanted an actual scene of, right. give me your feelings on what you, who you feel you are, Boba Fett. They dealt with it in a different way, a quicker way, a more succinct way, because you got to on TV shows, you got to keep, keep those emotional through lines. That all said... I love this scene because it kept me thinking about who Boba Fett is now. And he has honor. He's helping. They're renting out his ship, but he's still got some stuff in there that ain't nice. And as Joseph pointed out, he, he loves the violence. That's maybe why that uh, chapter works so well for a lot of people. It wasn't just badass violence. It was violence coming from Boba Fett's heart and it, and it tracks. And so I like this and I like that Bo-Katan wasn't just uh you know, this is someone who joined the Death Watch. She was part of the Death Watch. Right. We have to keep that in mind about her. Yeah. And this episode does a great job of that as well. Of There's a lot of, um, you know, the, the Filoni influence. Because in the, on, the, on the meta, not even meta level, but on the real world industry level, Filoni is the B player. You can see it literally on the credits. And mm-hmm. on, when they announce the Ahsoka show, it's Dave Filoni and John Favreau. When they announce Rangers, it's John Favreau and Dave Filoni in the fine print. So you can sort of feel this like John saying, okay, let's do a Boba bar scene. We'll set up, you know, the team. And it's, I feel like it's Dave sort of being like, well, remember, we need to remind people that she can kind of be a jerk. And then, you know, John's like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll write that in. She's a jerk. Like, it feels like the show is constantly saying like, well, don't forget, don't love her too much or don't don't love her in that way too much. Don't love him in that way too much. We need to remind ourselves what sort of sphere we're in. Yeah, and that that's part of the the value of of knowing those characters so well and having some some room to play with them. But I, I, again, a lot of a lot of people don't know who these characters are. Boba Fett, uh, of course, most do. Um, but I'm talking about Star Wars fan, not the general just passing through. I got Disney Plus to watch nature documentaries, and now I'm watching a Star Wars thing. No, like you know, there's people in my life who are big Star Wars fans who are like, I, why is the Battlestar Galactica girl in this? What what's that? What's that about? What's that mm-hmm. about? Uh, and not that they don't like it, but just they don't they don't know the history. So they you needed to be reminded of that. You can't sit there and have her explain, well, you know me, I was in the Death Watch because of it. But, but, but. No, you need to, you know, actions and all that kind of stuff need to tell that story. And I thought this scene really did a good job of doing that and led to what I thought was good wiggle room with that story. Yeah, to what we, she took the Darksaber from Sabine as it was handed to her because Sabine said she earned it. 
uh, and that's different. And, you know, maybe could Din have been like, I think you have earned it here uh, instead of just saying, take it. I don't know. We'll find that out. But now there's some, I think, I think she's a good, she's going to do what's right. Yeah. I think she's right for ruler, all those kind of things. But like, there's, there's some shades of, of not gray. Cause I don't like that term in Star Wars, but there's some shades of complication. Absolutely. And it's that, the, that, uh, that it's the helmets all over again. This whole Darksaber stuff is the helmets all over again, where they, they raise a question of, it, it's Dave Filoni and John saying, you know that we know that there are manos to take their helmets off. This guy is not that. We'll get to it. So it's, you know that we know that Sabine handed it to her and that she didn't earn it in combat directly. It's, it's, everything is from a certain point of view. Yeah. You know? and look, and we're in an industry now where you know, it's fun, and let's not forget it. It's fun to go, wow, so Boba Fett's back. He explains that Django was a foundling, fought in the, in, in the Mandalorian Civil Wars, and that kind of, you know, now we all put out our videos and think pieces and podcasts about they've changed Boba Fett's backstory or they realigned it with this. And here comes next week, Boba Fett's just like, I never said it was a Mandalorian. I love that. And it's fun. And, you know, I know Alex and Molly are probably like, ah, we got to edit a video again, and everything. And it's just part of the fun of discussing it week to week. But that's the thing. This is an ever changing week to week show and now year to year show. And Star Wars works best when it's that way. Uh, and characters, you know, the characters, that's, that's their point of view. It's not always facts. It's not always true. I, I got, there's a yeah. lot of, there's a, there's a great moment with Kylo that I just, I've seen being been misread so much of he's saying a fact to Ray about where her power comes, where it's like, no, he's the villain. It's his point of view. And that's right. where he is right now. And it's meant to hurt and it's meant to sting. And, and so I love that in Star Wars. So I was actually one of my favorite parts too. I'm just like, I, I never said it was a Mandalorian. Yeah. I love that. I love her, you know, the way that people can be reductive in real life is, is, you know, they inject that, that mentality and that, and that, that real fallibility into these characters in terms of how Boba's like, well, you know, no, what I said was I was given this by my father. Therefore it's mine. I'm talking about possession here. You are yeah. doing your whole little, like, I, I know who I am. And, and, you know, and from her perspective, from Bo-Katan's perspective, it's about, uh, you know, this, this, this rightful ruler stuff. And she says, I've heard your voice a thousand times. She sees right. him as, less special than, than, you know, maybe her quest uh, would necessitate in her, in terms of the company she keeps. So it's a lot of perspectives clashing here, but then there's Din being, I think the, uh, you know, the flag bearer for the show saying, yeah, I, I don't care. I care about my son. Uh, and I think that the show does a really good job about that. Something that I've preached is that people have a fear that the show will lose focus. And they've had that fear since, the dark saber popped up at the end of the first season, I think, which is, Oh man, are they going to, is he going to become a, a background player in his own show? Are people going to steal his thunder? Cobb Vanth, Boba Fett, Bo-Katan, Ahsoka Tano, and Luke Skywalker and R2-D2 have all popped up here now. And I think that they've done a good job of always saying, here's this big thing, but never forget the father and son. Here's this big character, but never forget what we're here for. And I think yeah. that Din constantly saying that even to Gideon, even saying, yeah, yeah, Bo-Katan's on the bridge. I don't care about the sword. Can I just leave? I think has always been uh, effective for me. And I think that Din chiming in there at the end was a nice way to transition the story into sort of the, the A-plot again. Yeah, there's a lot of core scenes. And, and uh, you know, some people might have heard me say before, so, but like season one, the, to me, the entire core of that entire season was, was Quill talking about how he reprogrammed and saved uh, IG-11. I really think that sequence is the 
heart of season one because it's about growth, reprogramming, uh, what your influence, who influences you, what you're influenced by, and how you can either change, grow, or, or overcome that, or, or find your purpose. All those kind of wonderful big themes because that's what Mandalorians, the Mandalorians, going through. Um, I, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm going to go back and do a rewatch and kind of look for what I feel might be the core heart scene of, of this second season. But I think it might still end up being the final moments with Din and 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 Grogu because that's the story. And all else is noise. Yeah. And it all leads to that. And to that point, every character that shows up, as great as they are, and as much as we got excited and should get excited um, from those that did get excited with those characters, they all are here to serve the story of those two characters. And that's sometimes the way it works. I, I, you know, I love Solo, and, and there's some, maybe some different choices it could have made with what happens to some of the characters, but they're all there to serve, for better or worse, the story of Han Solo. That's why they're in the story. This, to me, is still the Mandalorian, and everything needs to serve the Mandalorian until uh, until uh, otherwise. And 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 this is a complete emotional arc for me. It's now all wide open roads now with with me and and, and my thoughts on Din and and what happens after this. But that was the story of these first two seasons, and it all came down to that moment. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that everything that they've done with him connecting back to Quill and how we change with the overall context of, it's a complete emotional arc, but they, they wisely, I think, leave enough threads, Bo-Katan saying, when your mission's complete, we'd love it if you'd reconsider joining the, uh, put Bo on the throne squad, um, yeah. come, come join our campaign, our, you know, our righteous you know, search for the throne. There's the lingering, oh, by the way, you were in a cult, all right, see you later. Um, yeah. you know, is the next time he sees the armorer, Will she hit him with the same questions she hit him with in the sin? You know, has yeah. your helmet been removed since I last saw you? Has it been removed by others? He will have a choice there, you know, Star Wars choice of do I, am I honest now with this person who has been a mentor, mother, chieftain type figure? So I think there could be conflict there. But in terms of the father and the son, which is, you know, this episode, uh, I've already have full disclosure for people. Um, listening, the, the, I have the graphic for this episode already made, and it says the Father, the Son, and the Holy Jedi on it because I really feel like those are <laughs> that's what we're looking at here is uh, the lingering presence, but then yeah. these two elements, uh, and I think that they they handled that all really well. But let's not forget this episode is also kind of ridiculously fun. It is it is action packed and everything, uh, and that is what we we look we're looking at here in the middle. We're looking at. TIE fighters. We're looking yeah. at Slave One. We're looking at the Lambda class shuttle and, and a crash landing. We're looking at this fantastic four of, you know, badass women in Star Wars, you know, dual wielding pistols, Gatling guns, sniper rifles, looking out for each other, taking people out, you know, behind the back, looking over really well choreographed from Peyton Reed. And I think that a lot of it, you know, it's always serving the story in the same way that I think he did really well in Ant-Man, which was that he was able to take Scott Lang's powers in terms of the Marvel universe and you know he gets tiny and you pitch that to a studio executive and I'm sure they're like he gets small but he was able to find the way that that would work and I think that there are moments here like Casca and Bo diving off the side with their jetpacks and then coming over and protecting their friends that showed a unity through the action so was there anything that stuck out to you in terms of this portion of you know getting to the bridge which is sort of like our resetting for the episode um it's yeah the two things that jump out number one the what i'll call is a pretty 
long overdue, but historic moment of, of those four, uh, four women just uh, charging forward. And, and we should take the time to acknowledge it, but I love that it's just kind of there. Um, I love um, that it's just, it's, it's just like wallpaper in the story in the sense of like, yeah, you, you, this is, why would you not expect this? This is for powerful people uh, on this mission here. And uh, we as fans can look at it and go, wow, oh, look at that. We got, we got, we got four ladies. Uh, I called it four ladies, four guns, which uh, they, there's more, more than that. And it's a silly, cheeky comic book title, uh, you know, that sequence. But it was, it was uh, I loved the choice and I, I hope to see more of that. And again, maybe too long in coming, but it just, again, it just was, it was there and it was there for you to recognize. Yeah. And if you, if you recognized it and if you were moved by it or inspired by it and it served the purpose of, of, of the story of them going to, to, to kick ass. So I love that moment. I love that moment. Not lost on me at all. Um, but uh, Joseph and I on, on force center, Joseph and I were discussing the Mando being centered and back on, kind of he'd been on shaky ground night his naive naivete his lack of knowledge of the world being raised in this weird we keep saying cult but just this <laughs> weird environment you know that saved him why yeah. wouldn't he think these are saviors to him i can't wait for that conversation with the armor i hope we have that in my head canon i've i've got that played i look because i love the armor i know you do too yeah and fascinating. Great. i love that character and then also in this wrinkle that she might i don't say bad but there might have been something else going on i love more of that um but I loved in this one, in the sequence, uh, going back to uh, the third uh, episode of the season where Mando, when they're going into the, uh, to, to, um, in, into the, 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 the crew, the freighter back uh, in, in that episode, Mando's kind of lost. He's kind of behind. He's been told of the stuff about the helmet. He's trailing them. He gets involved in the action. He does what he does. He's really good. But, he, you know, he, he just seems a little bit out of sorts mm -hmm. to me the stuff with Ahsoka, he's learning what? Yeah, he has a name. It's Grogu. <laughs> Does this look Jedi to you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 By chapter 15, there's some, you know, uh, big changes happening. And I love, that's my favorite episode of the season so far. Um, but this one, um, it's, it's, he's on his own again. He knows who he is. And he's like, they're like, we're a distraction for you. We are here for you. And he's no longer trailing with them. He's on his own in the ship doing his mission. Yeah. And as they all end up in the same place and that's just part of the mechanics of the story. But I, I, the symbolism of that moment, uh, I, I enjoyed as well. Of like, he's not trailing them looking around going, wait, wait, wait there's more Mandalorians and they, they take their masks off. Yeah. He knows who he is. He knows what he wants. He know, knows what he's there for. That's the end of the chapter 15. And, uh, he doesn't even, he's not trailing them. He's, he's him again. I really like that. Yeah, I love that too. I love that and on the story level, on the there's so much here on the metatextual level of hitting things that are Star Wars and reinterpreting them. Uh, you know, cutting to the end real quick, there is a moment where it's Bo Katan taking all the gunfire for Dinjarin's cause, where he took all the gunfire for uh her and Koska and Axe, you know, in their previous adventure together. Uh there's also that Star Wars element of, you know, uh Migs Mayfeld and Din did the classic let's wear stormtrooper armor and sneak in. This is also the Obi-Wan Kenobi sneaking around the Death Star. This is also Rey sneaking around Starkiller Base. Um, it has a little bit of that, that flavor and, and a nod to we know what that means, that there's a language of Star Wars of like the climactic confrontation is coming. 
Um, and it, but that doesn't make it less effective in terms of the language that we know that, yeah, Gideon's probably going to get the jump on him or he'll pop up from behind a corner or he'll already be in the cell with Grogu, which is what ended up happening. A lot of that really worked for me. But before we get into that, I do want to ask in terms of, um, you know, four women, four blasters here, uh, technically probably like eight blasters, someone listening will count them. Uh, there's an interesting note there in terms of the context of the show where season one was here's three episodes that everyone sort of said, are these going to count in the end? And then he went and got those characters. Was there anything that you felt in terms of the makeup of the team was missing? Because what I really liked was everyone there had an emotional reason. There's that conversation of, I want Gideon. Well, I want the ISB info. So he needs to be alive. Okay, cool. We'll do that. I don't care if he dies. I just want him. There's things happening with the points of view. Fennec's already been established as being honor-bound to the cause of Grogu, so we know why Fennec is there. And then Casca is a Mandalorian supporter who sort of has that, that is that physical reminder of the fact that Mando's united and uh, Bo saying uh, in the heiress that we're better when we're together. So I get that for everyone, but was there anything that you felt, um, you know, not that you were shorted or anything, but were you kind of like, oh, I wish grief was there or I wish Cobb Vanth was there or did you feel like this was the perfect makeup for you in terms of the themes? I'd say it was, it was a solid makeup for me. Yeah, no, look, I, more Carl, Carl Weathers. Yes, come on. We're, we're just a couple of uh, adults getting a stew on. I absolutely want to see more Carl Weathers. <laughs> he's amazing, but he, he directed a fun action comedy episode and, and to his character, it makes sense that he's going to stay. On Navarro as a magistrate. Uh, Cobb Vanth, now, I, I, Cobb Vanth, we can talk about. I love the character of the books. Very happy that he showed up. Uh, you know, whether or not we'll get more of him probably doesn't, doesn't seem that way, but who knows. So as far as anything missing, no, I think it all served. I mean, you know, Pele, uh, you know, you know, as much as people, and I love Amy Sedaris, nah, that just wouldn't have worked as much. Yeah. I keep joking about Carson Teva, but 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 it it's he's tied to a bigger thing. Hopefully he's a ranger of the New Republic, and hopefully Ivan Versio is a ranger of the New Republic. Oh, and hopefully Shriv, uh, you know Joseph's all about the the Shriv uh, uh, being involved too, and I am too. Um, I say Carson Teva only because he was the only one left where I, I am hungry for what's he figuring out. I keep saying I uh, I want the uh, sit on Alex and Molly show and Force Center too. I'll say it here. I was kind of half wanting, maybe more than half wanting, the Monty Python and the Holy Grail ending, where you would imagine it, of suddenly the new Republic shows up and is like, that's it, you're done, shut off your cameras, nope, nope, violations, done, done, done. And I, I kind of could have enjoyed that. The Luke thing is a better choice, uh, yeah. or at least Jedi is a better choice. And hopefully, and I, you know, I, I, I really hope we get more of him. Um, Trapper Wolf, hey, you know, I, I, can, I, can, I can be okay with no, no more Trapper Wolf. Uh, <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So of all the characters that have already come and gone in the show, that's the only one where I really have a strong attachment to because of what he's trying to do uh, during this era where the New Republic has won and now five years later is discovering that winning and ruling are, are two different things and they're trying to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of good people trying to make this happen and it's not going well. I'm fascinated by that. Um, I, I'm fascinated by the idea of we, we didn't conquer we liberated and and that carries so many complications with um with the people you you liberated whether you know you know good or bad choices on their part like it's always a weird thing and there's some people are going to have that view i love that's why i love chapter 15 so i love it so much oh it's amazing it's 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 wonderful and what you're speaking to there just in terms of you know winning and ruling i mean it, it is 
there, I mean, there's a lot here and you talked about it beautifully in, in the four center discussion as well. Shmi Skywalker's all over this episode uh, and, and the season. And I love the whole, well, the Republic doesn't exist out here from Phantom Menace has it been lingering in my mind this entire season, especially with Carson. And that's the whole idea of Cobb Vanth was like, yeah, we all watched the Death Star blow up like it was freaking ESPN. We were all like, woohoo, like watching it on instant replay. And then people came in for the power vacuum and ruined everything on Mos Pelgo. You look at the city of Caladan, Morgan Elsbeth is like, I rule this place now. I'm going to rule it like a demagogue. I have my nice garden and everything's going to suck for you. I'm going to burn the forest down. That keeps coming up. And you almost wonder, like you think about Jordan Peele had a great quote talking about get out and us and filmmaking about you want to be thinking about the 10 minutes right after the story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Luke leaves with Grogu at the end. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you need to, someone needs to tell Luke about that, that Gideon got the, the baby's blood. Like, can Carson show up and say, did he say anything before you knocked him out? Like, like there needs to be like some, some yeah. sort of, uh, we, need, we, need, we need to have a round table. Don't just fly away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I lo- and I love that. I love that about the Luke interaction. We can talk about the legend of Luke Skywalker in a bit. Um, sorry, I think I cut you off. No, no, no. Please, please, please go ahead. About, about no, I, I love it because um, I think there is Star Wars, you know, stop me if you heard this before. This is some great insight. Star Wars is a modern myth. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this. It's a fable. It's a, it's a, it's a story that's supposed to teach 12 year olds. I don't know if you've heard this before, um, but it is. It is, and can, you can never go too far away from that. However, bringing it back and, you know, we all celebrated that, whether, you know, you end up liking the, the movies or not. In 2012, this was a pretty exciting moment when this news broke. Um, the realities of continuing the story and the Battle of Endor has happened and the fireworks have popped and, and, and every, the dancing, no matter what song is playing, has gone on. And the next morning, that is a giant question and how you deal with that. And, and can it, if it's, if it's a fantasy, if it's a fairy tale, it stays and everyone is happy and Mon Mothma rules and everyone there's flowers and butterflies and everything is grand, but that's not the reality of it. And that wouldn't fuel great star Wars storytelling. I've been obsessed with the new era going back to Wendig's aftermath. Mm-hmm. The, the, the statue is toppled. Akbar gives a speech and then we don't get to spend time with our, her- our heroes. And he did write Luke stuff and they asked him to take it out. Uh, I think that most people know that. But, but the interludes are some of, you know, the aftermath. I love the aftermath story, but the interludes, I love the inter- interludes because it is a look around a galaxy that has just changed. And was it changed good? And what is left? The Malakili stuff, the Cobb Vance stuff, the epilogue of Jar Jar Binks is, some, is, is one of my favorite uh, uh, little parts of uh, modern Star Wars storytelling. And this show does, despite Favreau, Kind of again, this fictitious Favreau character we've all created that's like, give me empire. Even if that was the case, they've done it in such a way that it just five years after makes sense that the New Republic is struggling to do this right. We've all been in the situation, even young bucks like you and old gray beards like me. You've been in a situation where you've, you've, you've had a supervisor who you didn't like or you didn't agree with. And, and you've asked yourself, what I, I could do better and what would I do? And then you get that spot. If you got that experience, I, 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 my old job, I, I ended up a, a director of public safety, a job I wanted, a job I you know, thought I, I could do better than what's come before. And then you find yourself on a Tuesday at your desk at 3 p.m. making the same mistakes or struggling and finding out a new file of information that you didn't know before because you weren't in charge. You got handed that. You got to deal with this, the budget concerns, isn't that? 
And now you are dealing with the same struggles and now you're part of the same system and a system that you had a different view on before. Yeah. I love that we get to do that with the New Republic. They are good. They are right. They are feared. Joseph points out uh, chapter six, uh, the first Migs Mayfield episode. When they show up to take out uh, Sons of Anarchy, um, it's, <laughs> it's a problem. Like, it's not a good thing. You should fear that. Mm-hmm. They're a symbol of now hope. And that now that we have Carson Tevin and Trapper Wolf kind of going around and people saying police in the galaxy, they're like, they're like, they're like Valley traffic cops out in LA, just giving you citations or something like that. But, but they're, but they're, they're um, it's an important perspective of we are trying. It's not going great, but there's more to this story and we're going to figure it out. That's been one of the under, underlying um, things I really loved about the Mandalorian, but also this season, the new Republic trying to get a handle on it. You feel that struggle. Absolutely. And I think that you definitely feel that with not only the New Republic, but also the Jedi Knights. Um, we will talk in, in a couple minutes about the decision to, to insert Ahsoka Tano into the middle of the season and Luke at the end and the fact that they make opposite choices in terms of, in terms of their uh, what's, what's master strategy, we'll say. In terms of the Jedi master strategy, Ahsoka says one thing about, I don't think I'll do this. And then Luke's very you know calmly says, I need to do this. Uh, mm-hmm. So we, we'll talk about that. Um, I do want to touch on this Gideon confrontation because obviously there's tons of fun action moments. Uh, Cara Dune inventing swear words uh, for the Star Wars galaxy as her blaster jams. There's, there's stuff going on there for sure. Um, yeah. But there is this confrontation where Giancarlo Esposito, I think really, because I've always liked Gideon and I'm a, I'm a Breaking Bad fan uh, and I think that he's fascinating and just as a performer. Um, there's something here, though, that I, I worried for a moment that he would be Thrawn light. And it's when he says, you know, assume that I know everything. I was like, okay, so you're going to be that guy? And then he started hacking away. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, flavor. I was like, you're, you're kind of a theatrical weirdo in a certain way. Like, you are sort of yeah. jokery in your manner of, you know, the, this should be interesting. <laughs> like he has like a Frank Gorshin Riddler type thing going on a little bit as well. And I thought that, you know, Beskar on Darksaber was, was rad. Everything that happened with, you know, Dark Troopers, that little, that fake out um, was cool yeah. of making you think that we solved the problem. But it was just the way that he is as a human being fascinated me. And I think in terms of Imperials, it's important to me. It's why I think Krennic works really well that you are not repeating personalities because it's so easy to fall into. And mm-hmm. in terms of, that's why Migs Mayfeld I think is so important because he presents the ex-imperial that just didn't, wasn't just okay. You know, Iden Versio, Del Mico, uh, um, you know, even jumping forward to someone like uh, Captain Doza in Resistance. A lot of these yeah. people make the choice and are ex-empire and they sleep pretty well at night. Migs does not. And so I think it's important to, to vary up the flavor. And what could have been Thrawn, what could have been Krennic, and what could have been Tarkin ends up being something weird and different. And I, I'm curious how you felt about how he interacted with Din and uh, with Bo-Katan as a, as a person. I, let's, I'll just disclose this to anyone listening on your show does not overly familiar with my uh, blatherings of Star Wars. I'm not a huge Thrawn fan. Uh, I loved him in the early 90s because it was what we had and I have much respect for what Zahn did with that, that series to kind of carry on. And re, during a time where it was like, uh, do you guys remember Star Wars? That, that happened. That was a year or two or three or five where that was kind of the, the vibe out there. So that said, 
and I do like them bringing back. I I do like Thrawn. It just there's so he's not my favorite kind of villain. And the mustache swirling, I've solved it all. Let me tell you everything. It doesn't always work for me, but it's not always about what I want. Obviously, Gideon falls into that for me at times. But Esposito is so good. I'm waiting for him to explode. You made me think as you're talking about one of the moments I did not like in season one, though I do love chapter eight and what Taiko Waititi did with it. And I love his comedy. I am a, I am a uh, flight of the Concords, New Zealand kind of style of comic fa- comedy fan. Um, the, the biker scout scene with the shoot and everything wasn't, didn't hit for me as much as it other people. Um, and one of the reasons was when they're like debating when, when, when Pally and, and Sudeikis are debating and they're just like, we've just seen Moff Gideon give this very measured speech. This is an e-web blaster. That it, <laughs> and they're like, did you hear that? Did you, he just killed, he just killed one of our men for no reason. I was like, that's not the Gideon I just spent some time with here. It doesn't right. track. And I don't, I don't want to analyze what's probably a joke and played well. But if you think, all right, now you think that happened and that character did explode in that way. I've been waiting for Gideon to explode and waiting for him to see it. And, and uh, as Zito did in one of those interviews going into the season, he spoiled this moment by saying, oh, I get to have a conversation with Mandalorian and, and make him a, say some stuff that I'm paraphrasing, but just I, I put some interesting stuff in front of him. I, I give him a deal that might be, he, he might need to take. So I was yeah. like, oh, here's that scene. Come on, Esposito, come on. Um, but hey, whatever. Um, Lando spoiled, uh, Billy, Billy Webb spoiled Empire leading up to Empire Strikes Back in the press. So uh, there you go. Um, so all that to say, I got the explosion I wanted because it did read a little too, not flat, because he's not flat. He play, he's, yeah. There's no way that, that performer could be flat. But the character, I, I just didn't want another thing. But he represents knowledge as power. And being an, it's it's very interesting to me that they continue to go into the Imperial Security Bureau kind of wing of it all that's at that one base was and a lot of these people are ex-ISB pretty fascinated by that because those are those are the folks with the knowledge those are the folks maybe even more knowledge with the other people on the team and what they're doing with that knowledge what that knowledge affected them uh how that how it affected them what they did with it those are just interesting things that I don't think we have all of the answers yet in this show or series or if we're ever going to get it but I think it's an interesting choice to me and maybe I'm over overanalyzing it. Shocker, but I can see it. But so Gideon represents a lot of that. Uh, his knowledge uh, in the end uh, didn't save him, which was a uh, you know he's I know he's alive, but you know he did not. And all of his everything he's planned for, everything he knows, he didn't factor in a Jedi showing up, right? And I've seen people right. that sentiment. I just so I like that that landed with me. This was some of my favorite Gideon stuff, only because he became a little more dynamic for me, which is. Esposito is Giancarlo Esposito is dynamic by standing still. He was, he, of course. Yeah, I mean, I've been joking that my, all I want from Lucasfilm is them Giancarlo reading Pablo Hidalgo's fascinating facts uh, on a recording. Like someone, someone, give me that. Like, did you know that in 1980? Right <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, just read, read me everything in there. I mean, he could he could deliver exposition like no other. This is your backstory. This is your name. All of that worked, but now we have a full picture of of the man, which transitions us perfectly into, uh, as he said, when things get interesting. And this whole thing on the bridge, I love a great everything hitting at once. I loved it in Last Jedi of Holdo 
and Rose and Finn and, you know, Ben and Ray, everything is happening at once. This is that, um, perhaps not as cinematic with the editing because it's all one room, but it, it, this show knows how to use a one room scenario. And yeah. Din walking in with the Darksaber in hand and Grogu in the other um, is an image that it's interesting because it is such a fans probably predicted that like, oh, one day he's going to be defending his son with the Darksaber. And it is played so casually. Yeah. Katie Sackhoff and Giancarlo Esposito give face in this scene that lets you know, even if you're the most casual of Star Wars fan or not even a great way to phrase it. Even if you are a live action only Star Wars fan and you don't know who Bo-Katan is, you're like, why doesn't she look happy? And you're like, why does he look too happy? Wasn't he yeah. just defeated? It's a great exercise in tension. And I immediately loved um, his whole trying to pit them against each other, which you know, I think that there's so much beautiful Star Wars wiggle room like you and I talked about. It's not necessarily like we're doing retcons, but it's the what is who knows what what is the perspective at play i mean for my whole thing with this is is it possible that gideon knows that sabine wren handed it to her and what he's saying in the subtext is do you want me to tell your friends that you're not the heiress or 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 you know or would you like to do it yourself there's mm -hmm. that at play um there's katie sackhoff bringing in that that villainous edge or like that, that death watch bow starts to boil beneath the surface a little bit. How did you feel as the, as the cards were sort of laid out? Um, and we sort of got the, the clash of perspectives. I think it was, I think it was uh, no, another one, another example of Gideon's knowledge coming into play. Does he want to win when he starts fighting uh, Din? I, I, I think he does. He's not going to, he's not going to lose. I can't see that being part of his plan because he can't trust that they're not going to kill him, which he even kind of, points out that fact like oh okay you, you kept me alive no when he walks in the room it's knowledge he knows what the he knows what he has in his hands he knows the possession he knows the history of it so he knows how to use that history and knowledge against these two people here i was half expecting teddy long to come out from the the gorilla position and say hold on hold on this is a tag team match now uh it, it was starting to get there and i thought i thought for a second we were going to get the the battle but i again i love i love that din Jarn's like I, I don't care about any of this i care about my kid who I now believe is my kid. This is what I care yeah. about. The show never strayed from that to its credit, to its undying credit. Uh, and, and that's, uh, that's what I love about that too. And I'm intrigued again, intrigued by what it means. Um, uh, more information. Yeah. I, that, that term retcon is, is tossed around too easily and often incorrectly. Uh, we just so don't often incorrectly. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I will die on the Poe Dameron Hill a lot of just like, no, you got some years of his life that you didn't know about. Right. Uh, and I thought Alex Segura's book was spectacular. And just Me too. Explore. I and loved that. that. Life. But I've I seen that. that book, uh, and yeah. Plug, plug, uh, just for, we had him on and we talked a little bit about that. And, yeah. And part of, we had him on, it's just me. I had him on. Uh, not, and, <laughs> and, uh, but I've said like, talk to people that are in the actual US Army. I'm sure that wasn't the only job they had in their lives. You know, like, and, and that's sort of like the Poe thing of like, yeah, I had, you know, I had a life. I had rough teenage years where I didn't know what I was doing. That is an important thing to remember in terms of Star Wars and all fiction the characters in Star Wars don't know that they're in Star Wars. The characters yeah. in, like Luke Skywalker doesn't show up and Bo-Katan's not standing in the back of the room going, hey, your master right. used to sleep with my sister. Like that, that doesn't, 
<laughs> that doesn't happen. Like they're not realizing it in the same way that you are. Too soon. Yeah, I, I saw some people say, why didn't Cara Dune react to Luke Skywalker showing up? And I'm like, he didn't interact with every platoon in the Rebel Alliance. Like, I'm sure that she probably is like, is that, like there might be a little bit of that in her mind. Like, I heard there was a Jedi on some of those moons, like whatever it was, but they are not, they're reacting to the information that they have. And that's why I love Din being like, I, I yield. Like he's so done with it. <laughs> like just, okay, yeah, I yield. Okay, cool, great, battle over. What what you're discussing too? Talk about tangents here. What what I thought this uh, what this show is 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 pl- it's playing around in this modern Star Wars era that that you know I I don't know if the, people talk about not not being planned. I just don't know. There had to be some sort of conversation, if, or it just makes sense storytelling wise. If this decision to view these all stars as I call them, these Hall of Fame players as legends that were wisps of, of rumors to a lot of them, even though people did know, and, and, and even the comics deal with that, the books, Claudia Gray's uh, um, Bloodline book was me as an adult Star Wars fan who grew up with this stuff and dealing with, like you and I talked about, this is, this is the answer now, this is what happened. When I right. learned that only six years prior to Force Awakens, that's when people learned that Vader was the father of Leia and Luke. I so was mind blown by that and fell in love with that idea of like, yeah, of course they wouldn't tell. And um, this is a general comment, but I think sometimes the Legends EU stuff that I would read, it's like, number one, we're still focused on these characters and we've got, we got the twins and all that kind of stuff. And I don't have a problem with that. But just it seems like, yeah, Luke, Luke walks through the halls and uh, they're like, hey, that's, that's my guy, Luke, the Jedi that saved us. How's Jedi training going? Isn't that? And that is fine. This is more interesting to me. Uh, Joseph said it so well. Uh, I, I don't. I always refer to things he says because I just want people to go back and, and listen to what he says on Force Center. But just like this whole scene is our characters watching a Jedi. They're literally watching him through monitors, and this and that they're watching yeah. what a Jedi is, and and it's not his story. It's Din's story. So again, it serves that, and and it's a legend. It's a wisp. It's a rumor. Dak gets into the speeder. He's his gunner, and he still kind of knows Luke. He kind of, this is the guy that took out the whole empire himself, a man, I feel like that too. And I just think that's way more interesting than for Cardoon to be like, hey, what's ever, I fought with you on Endor, you know, yeah. or, or he wouldn't, not on Endor, but you know, I fought with you on Hoth. Like, she could have said that and it would have made sense. It wouldn't have been like canon or breaking or anything like that. Just, I'm just more interested by these legends coming through because uh, um, the whole galaxy needs to, get this victory the whole galaxy needs to figure this out they can't just rely on these legends which i think is part of the sequel era's talk right talk. and, and the, the way that yeah the way that ray referred to luke in 2015 permeates modern canon uh his interactions with del mico um i think it's very intentional in a game like that where you know it, he's in for a mission and then he's gone from the story like he is moving through the, the Del Mico stuff on Pilio is so great to me, but because the idea of a, of a person, you know, becoming traitor to the empire and joining the rebellion, you know, seems pretty cut and dry as a kid. You just decide I'm going to join the fight now. I'm going to be good. And I love that Luke gave Del, Del the choice, talked about another way and just talked about what you thought you knew you did not know. It was not correct. You were afraid of the wrong things growing up on Coruscant because you were told the wrong thing. And I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just, I'm just suggesting maybe analyze it and make the right choice, make the choice for you. That's the best way for you to join this fight. Right. Uh, 
And, and that was really powerful for me. And Lucas played the same way. It's the same kind of vibe. He, he's, he's, he's a spiritual space wizard and is uh, riding around in a Volkswagen van, uh, just uh, inviting you to Burning Man, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I really like that. And he's got his purpose. We'll talk about the Ahsoka stuff in him. Anyways, I, 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 I love that, that no one is like, Luke? Yeah. Uh, that they're like, Jedi. Oh, okay. I love that too. I love, you know, starting with Bo-Katan's reaction of a Jedi and to Peyton Reed's credit here and to, let me just, uh, let me just take a second here to just put my hands together and look up at the sky to Ludwig Goranson's credit uh, for the swelling moment, how he's playing with the character's tension um, is it, it's all coming to a head. This music that builds as Luke um, through the security cameras uh, cleverly, you cannot tell that it's a green blade, so you get that moment of doubt of like, but 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 X-wing like that that is him, right? And then you get the green right after. Uh, it's it's really well directed. I think about Ryan Johnson's the Last Jedi commentary where he says the advice he was given was always stretch it out, stretch it out as much as you can, and and give people as much. You know, I, I stood up. I, I literally physically stood up. I messaged you after this episode was over. And I said, "Can I'm crying?" <laughs> and you yeah. said, "Yes." So is Grace, and we had yeah, a great, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it was just so emotionally affecting because I was feeling these perspectives, which I thought was so well done. Again, it's performance, it's acting. When Katie, when Katie, when Bo says, uh, uh, "It's Jedi," when they cut to then Gideon, and he's you know he doesn't know that it's Luke Skywalker. He's ISB, so I'm sure that he. Um, had he not been knocked out, he would have had a reaction. But he looks up at the monitor and sees a blade. And he yeah. sees a little bit of the action happening. And the fact that, I mean, you and I go to wrestling a lot, but if you want to put over a hero like that, the fact that the villain would rather off himself than face what's about to happen yeah. really sells the legendary status that is built over these five years. Five years between Death Star 2 and mm -hmm. this moment five years for whispers of luke to build you know for someone like gideon who already knew that he was a, a thorn in their side who already knew that he brought down palpatine invader and probably knows that in a more intimate capacity than anyone else in that room he's probably i would imagine this is like real canon speculation uh but i would imagine he's like there's only a few of those and none of them would be really good for me right now and seeing the panic and the way that it's sold of try to kill Bo-Katan, didn't work. Try to kill Grogu, didn't work. Okay, cool. I just need to kill myself. That is such a, a really grim for this franchise, but also just an immense way to underline all the excitement of the viewer with like legitimate horror from his perspective. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I also think too, uh, great, great points. Uh, I also think too, it's lost, uh, not lost on me that they uh, had to get Boba Fett out of there because otherwise Boba Fett would yes. be like, Hey, Hey, <laughs> <Turn himself off. laughs> completely. So no, no, I thought I, again, it, it plays well. And, and I love that Luke is on his journey. He's on his, uh, you know, I, I envision like, uh, you know, I've said before, like uh, Lor Tech is out, not in the next wing, but just like somewhere else, like, what do you got to do, Luke? All right, cool. I'll 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 do some work here in the lab. Uh, I'm your Doc Brown. To your your Marty. Uh, go find uh, go find this Grogu that's reached out to you. We've got still work to do because you know they're searching for what it means to be a Jedi. That's what Luke is out there doing, and that's his journey. It's not that he won't help the New Republic, but 
he's got he's got he's got his he's got his mission that he's uh, kind of maybe given himself, but also Yoda, Obi Wan, and just the Force itself seems to have given him. So, anyways, I I like how that played and and good stuff there about Gideon and and yeah, putting over the putting over the 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 hero. Yeah, and I I, I you funny you went to lore. I actually went to Lando. I pictured in my mind lando saying what do you mean you have to leave to find a kid we're so close to getting this ochi guy you know you could you could play around so much with with what we know of his adventures in this time um before we touch on the actual you know the themes and everything of luke uh, as we get to the end of this conversation and episode um in terms of the build the presentation the clever use of his cloak um everything that happened with the action just how did you feel just as a, as a, a fan of television and cinema and somebody who grew up on jedi about the choreography, the music, the everything that was used to build up to this, um, you know, Vader hallway parallel that we saw. I mean, Jet Lucas, who works on the show, said that he did it uh, an internal, you know, staff only cut of the two hallway scenes together, um, which yeah. God, I hope he releases at one point. Uh, and yeah. they, um, I think, built up to it really well. And then even uh, touch on on DH face, which we don't really know. Uh, the full extent of that and in the marvel movies we know like they've done it to michael douglas and kurt russell and and sam jackson plenty of actors um so give me the sort of your whole sort of feel about presentation here i thought the presentation was was pretty good i thought that it's funny brett bring up the ryan johnson quote there's uh, you know as much as i love last jedi there's one beat I do, I've never liked the Poe and Finn going wait a minute wait a minute luke's doing this for a reason i actually don't like that beat but um the the, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because you just kind of you 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 see the X wing, so you're you're you 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 know something's coming. And then if you kind of like, are they going to do this? And then you see the cloak, and you're like, yeah, yeah. I know I haven't seen the color of the blade yet, but they're going to do this. I, I kind of felt like I wanted to get there a little fast. The scene was not not, not the scene was edited rug, but paint, but just like I was like, they made a choice that I was like, I was ready to skip past that choice. I, I'll be honest and say that, but it all works in the end, uh, and. And it is, uh, it is, uh, yeah, the hallway, uh, the hallway scenes, uh, hey, like father, like son, just a very different version of it here, very different uh, end game, um, but it's there. And I'm not a huge fan of the Dark Trooper, so I was like, great, just, just. <laughs> I felt out. the same way, like, it, and it's, it's not a, um, a slight against anyone that loves them or, or, or the legend stuff at all. It's just that I'm. It takes a lot for me to be really excited about a trooper variant because i'm i'm such like a yeah. force lore person so well I, i'm not i mean i i we all you all, if you're a star wars fan you are to a certain degree but sure i've you're way more been, into 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 war you know as we talk about I'm, way more into the the actual nuts and bolts of fighting in the galaxy and i just have never a personal taste thing it's a personal taste thing going back to the 90s where i'd pass by on a toy, toy shelf and be like What's this nine foot tall stormtrooper hybrid thing? That's just silliness. I don't want that. Um, that's just, that's just me. And every video game scene, even Fallen Order, had a version of that. And I'm not a huge fan of those ones there. And purge troopers and shock troopers. And I like death troopers. I like death troopers because they're a personal kind of a SWAT team for Krennic, and they're chosen and they're human. And I, but I love the theme of it. Uh, we go into what the death troopers or dark troopers represented in this series. And, and to Jen's lesson, I'm here for the themes. That's what we do on four center, but at dark troopers itself, it just, I don't pull towards, it's a cheat. It's a sci-fi thing to me. Um, uh, let's just make them super, uh, super, uh, you know, super soldier. Eh, I'd, I'd rather get in the nuts and bolts again. That's so just me. 
Um, but they're good tools to have. But I just, I loved when they got launched in the airlock. I was like, good, be done with you. Uh, silly me, of course they're going to come back. But anyways, side personal note, love Luke just chopping him down. I don't know if that was your question. No. I, had, I had a lot of dark trooper angst. I just wanted to get it out. I no, I, I completely. Don't like they don't look great. They look like old Cylons, but the Cylons look better. I, I, They're strange. They are uh, narratively in terms of the script. I mean, mm-hmm. it, in terms of presenting a Jedi, but staying true to Jedi themes, it is uh, very, you know, go to the beginning, the making of episode one, George and Spielberg, uh, you know, the Jedi, they, they cut through things like butter. Like it has a little bit of that. If we take the human element out of it mm-hmm. on a presenting PG content to families level that it enables you to have yep. the Luke that was built up in legend with gorgeous, like saber choreography, slicing them down with zero bloodshed. So like works on that level. But then you yep. talk about, you know, the themes of it was super battle droids that ruined Din's life. And now it's, effectively super battle drugs that are trying to ruin his life. Uh, no, there's no soul in there. And, and, and who are you going to be inside your armor? And, and uh, Pershing saying, you know, we removed the, the humans were the last, you know, fatal flaw in the design. All this stuff really worked for me. That's yeah. Cool and what it meant. Uh, and I, but I had to find that. And, and, and Joseph's so good at just kind of, you know, cutting away the noise and saying, here's, here's kind of my view on what it is. And I've, I've, been comforted by him many times on some of those themes but that one particular because because again that just goes back to me in 1997 before the prequels even but just 1997 going i what is this <laughs> no yeah i have i totally feel you and just like those guttural reactions every time there's a black series uh reveal of a trooper i'm just like you give me a trooper but you don't give me x y and z i have that a little bit of like that spoiled yeah. reaction you know and it's cheaper just repaint them and everything of course <laughs> Look, the, I, I, they haven't said it. I, this is totally my theory. But the Pulse rav, Rifle had to have been expensive to, to blow up Jawas on screen with, uh, you know, not practical, obviously, though that would have been brutally awesome. Um, but this, the, 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 the CG of it all, the special effects, I'm sure that was expensive. And, 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 and I, look, you know, how many times, you, you and I, Game of Thrones fans, how, did they, how many times on a Monday morning do we have to wake up and find a debate on Twitter on where the hell was Ghost? And the answer is, Ghost is expensive. So yep. <laughs> deal, deal with it. You, know, you want to know one of the reasons the Dothraki were sent to die? It's expensive to have a 100 to 1,000 horses on screen, CGI and practical. That's one of the reasons. So uh, the pulse rifle's gone, and uh, it's easier to render dark troopers than real humans, I guess. Absolutely. And, and you know, getting – I mean, we've, we've heard the story a thousand times, and it's a great story, but it's like the 501st, they don't have those suits yet. So we're going to – you know, we, we can't call them in. We can't have Dave call the Los Angeles garrison for every situation. Yeah. Like, the yeah. money is not unlimited, um, yeah. but I thought it was used uh, well. I thought that choreography was great. Um, yeah. I don't want to yeah. spend so much time on CG face because I do want to talk about Luke as a human being. Um, mm-hmm. And my short answer on CG face is, to put it very bluntly, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, and, I, and I understand, like, it takes you out of the moment for sure. Like, there's a little, a little beat of, like, yeah. mid shots. I'm like, ooh, that looks great. And then, you know, there are close shots where I'm like, ooh, that doesn't look good. But I still am like, it is Mark Hamill in 20. 20- 2020 performing yeah. Luke Skywalker. Like, and, and that washes it away for me in the same way that it did in Tron Legacy, in the same way it did in the entire MCU. I think that it's a, it's a work in progress. And also in the same way that Gene's guy got deleted, if it gets better, 
they're going to polish it. I think that's very much in Favreau's character. Mm-hmm. Well, I, look, I would love uh, uh, in Rogue One to have the Leia uh, updated a little bit about down the line because that one uh, didn't work for me as much as the Tarkin one. I, I actually like the Tarkin one, but Tarkin looks great. Yeah. Well, well, part yeah. So to that, it's a it's a weird. It's kind of like trying to get into uh, Jedi things. Um, it's kind of sometimes complicated, and even you know, um, I'm so thrilled that Mark Hamill's name is in the credits. So thrilled that we got like his voice or an altered, you know, tweaked version of his voice, but it's his, uh, and I thought it was played wonderfully. And for a one-time thing, I I, I loved it. I loved the swing. It didn't look great to me the first time because I. I you know, this is where we are now. Where did you first watch it? On your phone? On your Mac? Your MacBook? Your PC? Your TV? That's uh, ten years old, five years old. Yeah. Uh, I watched it the first time on a on a screen, uh, a TV screen. It's one of our two screens in the house, and this is the one that was a, a hand-me-down TV that we got. I'm not bragging about. I, trust me, I don't have any allowance money to buy a 4K TV, but it was. It's one of those TVs where you see the actors acting and thoughts. Uh, it's so crystal clear. And I'm telling you, Luke looked like his face was floating off his neck. And it was just, so that's one of the reasons you wrote me that message. You know, like I cried. I wasn't crying because I was like, you were, you're punch what? drunk off of the what, CG. What, what? And Grace was reacting to, she said, honey, I'm sorry, but that's the first man I fell in love with is Luke Skywalker. So, you know, and she, and she loves the last Jedi. She loves all that stuff. Um, Second viewing, different screen experience. It's just the way it is. It, you, you go, go again. When you and I, we're going to either reference wrestling or Game of Thrones a lot. Uh, people have to just live with that. Uh, Long Nights, one of my favorite episodes. I guess I was fortunate because the first time I saw it, I could see everything on screen. Yeah. And I'm not. I don't. Ha- I'm a dumb. Dumb luck. Maybe I had the sports setting on my screen, and I just happened to get the right setting for to watch Game of Thrones that night. Because I know people had legitimate problems because they couldn't actually see they get the concept of what the creators were going for i had that with solo the first two viewings i was like what are people talking about this is a beautifully shot movie by the way it still is and it's my favorite looking star wars thing in this modern era but i was the third viewing that i went to a different theater and i couldn't see much in the opening sequence i was like oh so you know we just have to deal with that now with tech the way it is all that said i'm fine with it too because i liked the swing it's very star warsy to take a big swing with tech this whole show's a big swing with tech. And if we were getting Luke Skywalker and the Adventures of Grogu, Disney Plus special event series, then I'd be more interested in Sebastian Stan coming in, which was just a fan poster that just caught fire. Right? Yeah, and people have been saying that. For, I mean, even Mark knows about that, you know, and I think that he's he's joked like, oh, my happy birthday to my illegitimate son, Sebastian. Like they, they've had like their, their fun little comments about each other. So I did have yeah. that brief moment when he was about to take the hood off of like, Oh, the balls on them! Like, is this going to be the recast reveal? Like, yeah. Then I was like, oh, it's not. But I agree. It's it's there's a, a different context between. You wouldn't do this with Harrison for all of Solo. Not that he'd ever do it. But yeah, no, they would ever do it. And and look, I you know me, I I'm as I'm talking to you, I'm staring at my Solo a Star Wars story screen ticket on the wall over there. I love Solo and I love Alden Ehrenreich as Solo because he's an actor who found the essence and found a younger version of him. And I will talk all day till people want to push me off the mountain that I love Alden as Solo. Um, a one-time thing, it would, you know, do something with Harrison. Again, Harrison would be like, no, I'm flying on my plane. But I think this was, this was, this worked very well for me being, being Mark. And, and, and over time, you're not going to worry about too much about what it looked like and they could fix it. Not at all. Not at all. And, and they can fix it. And the interesting thing is that 
I also come at it with a little bit of like a, I read comics growing up, so I'm used to people looking different sometimes. And that's even, a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And even, even that beautiful scene, you know, written by Mitch Dyer for Battlefront, that mm-hmm. doesn't really look like Mark. The famously, people have always said, you know, the Battlefront 2 Luke model is a little off. And that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, you know, and we'll, we'll still absorb the scene for what it is. But uh, mm-hmm. so we got all that you know, out of the way, all that build. Now we're breathing. Now we're like, okay, characters are looking at each other. Um, you get a little bit of that beautiful hesitance of Din, like he doesn't want to go with you. And then it's the, we're back in the cockpit from uh, the tragedy of, you know, kid, you know, this, the nice lady said that if, you know, you ever met, all that stuff is coming to a head. About he doesn't want to send him to preschool the first day. Um, you know, I thought about a man, an old manager I had, who told me the story of when he sent his son to preschool for the first day and that he drove away and then got into the driveway at their house and just cried and stood in the car until it was time to pick him up. Like all of that was there. Um, But Luke Skywalker, Mm -hmm. so funny. I went back and and listened to uh, my review of uh, chapter 13, the Jedi with uh, Maggie Lovett. And we were talking about why Ahsoka and what is Ahsoka saying about um, the Jedi practice of separation. What is Ahsoka saying about her own experiences? What is Ahsoka Tano saying that is layered with her own trauma and resentment that maybe she hasn't, I mean, we saw it in the Siege of Mandalore. Filoni put in that nice exchange with her and Obi-Wan Kenobi where she's like, no, we're, no, we're not cool. You know, we're not cool right now. I, you, you kept your head down at my trial and I, and I, and I still remember that. It still stings. Yeah. There's a certain... I think beauty to having these two characters get this, you know, interaction with this baby and make the opposite choices. She says, I'm not going to do that. He's too attached to you. I've seen what it can do. Mm -hmm. Does she know about Anakin's redemption? We don't know, but I think that that will be a question answered uh, quite soon uh, Mm -hmm. when we get her show. But we have the idea of her saying, let Grogu make a choice. And then we have Luke Skywalker saying, yeah, it's his choice. He wants your permission but also he will never be safe unless I intervene um, very kindly. He would never take him by force, but there is that uh, sense of duty. He is imparting duty on Grogu in a certain way. So I'm curious, how do you feel about, not who's right, because they're both right in a certain point of view, but how you felt about the execution of these two Jedi both uh, in, in, in ways, the children of Anakin Skywalker having these opposite views. Yeah. Yeah. The Ahsoka stuff is so fascinating and, and someone should maybe ask Filoni if he actually likes Obi-Wan Kenobi because sometimes it seems he goes out of his way to shame him, but that's a different discussion for another day. <laughs> hmm. Someone asked Dave that one day. Um, yeah. I, I, I love it because I love Ahsoka as a character. I love where she ends up and I, and, and this idea of her kind of being a, a pure Jedi in a lot of way, right? Not by title, not by business card, but by spirit and it works, but she is, face the trauma you 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 raise uh, you bring up an excellent point we don't know at this point uh what she knows and this fictitious uh uh campsite conversation with luke and ahsoka that a lot of people want too which is i i want as well that exchange of information could be valuable for for both of them mm-hmm. uh in terms of luke really getting to know what is father was like at one point and him getting to say here's what he ended up doing uh and and all those kind of things there's some powerful storytelling maybe to get to maybe whenever too uh i i do like that as far as 
I think it's both perspective. I I, I will uh, give credit to a, a pal, uh, Andrew uh, of, of mine, Star Wars Ramblings on on Twitter. Uh, he 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 looks at what Luke did in this episode. I'm paraphrasing totally here. Um, but there's a little bit of 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 hubris, one of my favorite words as well, and one of my yeah. favorite yeah, w- words to pop up in Last Jedi a couple times there from Luke. And he's a showman. He's a little dramatic. He's a little, little melodramatic in this scene. Uh, but it's also Luke. Luke's, Luke's a serious boy. Yoda says serious mind. You need a serious mind. Luke is a little dour. You know, that's kind of by the end of Jedi. Go to, go to New Hope. Go to Empire even. Go to him on Hoth. Up until that moment, he's got some joy. He's got some spring in his step. Yeah. But, but later on, he's got a lot on his shoulders. He's got a lot to deal with and not a lot of laughter. You know, there's some moments on Endor maybe at the, at the very end, which is part of the symbol of it. So I like that it's kind of a serious boy who's a serious man. Now we're going Coen Brothers movies. But he gives him the choice. I, will, I, I absolutely believe he gives him the choice uh, and, and, and says, you know, he's, he, you've got to give him this permission, not out of like an official capacity, but just like this, the spiritual arrangement has to happen here. But also, why couldn't this be him also c- carrying out what he felt Yoda told him to do, what he felt Obi-Wan wanted him to do, or what everyone wanted him to do, like I said earlier, like the force itself wanted to do, reform the Jedi Order, reform it. In, in a way that we kind of knew we're going to add some new rules or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to figure that stuff out, but this is what we have to do. And this is what I believe. Cause again, this is that conversation I always go to of, of what these characters saying isn't right. I, you're so uh, great to bring it up there. Uh, I, I don't know if Ahsoka's hundred percent right about everything, but wh- what else is she going to think after what she saw with Anakin and she's somber and dour too, right? And she's got a lot on her mind. She, we don't even know what she's doing, lurking, search, searching for Thrawn and Ezra and all those things. We'll find that out too. But what Luke here is saying isn't necessarily fact that he'll be safer with, with, uh, with the training. That's not necessarily fact. That's what he believes. And I love that this could connect to the idea to, that, to Luke telling Ray, just you don't understand. We did this all wrong. We did this all wrong. And I'm not saying Kylo kills Grogu. A lot of people are concerned about that. I don't even think, worry about that. Uh, I'm worried still more about Jason Sandula. Where, where, is, where is that character? Uh, does Dave just drop things in to have fun? I don't know. Um, so the, I'm fascinated by this discussion because I don't think there's an end to it yet. Uh, and that what Luke did here was right for this story. Yeah. For the story of Din, graduation day, I keep calling it. I, the Mandalorian empty, empty nest years is coming next. And it's really powerful and it worked. It worked. And I'm sure there was many parents out there bawling their eyes out. Oh, for sure. Preschool, hey. high school, college or death, unfortunate loss. That hit. That had to have hit. And it's this idea that Luke does not know. I mean, Luke and Dinner meeting for the first time. And, it, and it's, it's it, hey, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, there's a moment uh, that I already have as, a, as a, a GIF gif on my phone saved where he gives him like a nod and a smile. And, you know, Pedro gives mark or this young actor on the smile and it's this uh this beautiful metatextual um handshake of the eras you know original mm-hmm. trilogy and, and disney era sort of like coming together i think r2 and grogu coming face to face is that in, in a way um which is also i think making grogu feel better because up until then he's hugging din's leg and then r2 is like probably like 
dude, he's cool. We have, we have great time. Like I, I do a dance. It's cute. No, I do this cute dance. You're gonna have an awesome time. I knew someone that looked like you. There's, there's some fun there, but I think that there's also, you know, very seriously Luke underlining, like he won't, he will never be safe until he masters his abilities is also accidentally poking those buttons and din of like, I'm not the father, you know, Dave talks a lot about, you know, Qui-Gon, I'm the father Anakin needs and the father you need versus the father you have. I think about guardians of the galaxy volume two, you know, of, uh, he, he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, Din is like daddy, but like Luke, like Din knows he's like, I, I, I don't feel like I'm good enough. And I think that's mm-hmm. part of the pain. I don't have the abilities to do this. I'm not going to train, you know, this little creature as, as a, as a true Mandalorian. I mean, he has the pendant and everything. Um, but it's, it's, it's a difficult situation. And again, I like that neither Ahsoka or Luke is necessarily right. Um, we know that, you know, how this works contextually with the last Jedi, I think is really beautiful because he says like, because I was Luke Skywalker, Jedi master, a legend in that lesson, you know, in the temple on Octo, it has that. Now I will listen to that scene and mm-hmm. see him cutting up dark troopers. And when he says, what do you expect me to take on the first order with a laser sword? It's because he could do it that that line works. It's because it would be rather simple given his skill level to do such a thing. But what did it get him? And yeah. doing all these things now with Grogu, whatever you know might happen, it's interesting to see sort of how um, he wanted to rebuild things in the image of Obi-Wan and Yoda in the image of his father and of that Jedi order. Whereas Ahsoka is, is sort of, Ahsoka's already burned down the tree in her mind in a certain way of, yeah, it's not working. You know, we can't do it again that way. Yeah. No, it's why I'm, fa- I'm fascinated by Obi-Wan going uh, from Anakin, you were the chosen one to, uh, yeah, that, that boy out there I'm watching is the chosen one. And George will tell you, Obi-Wan's wrong. Uh, Cause that's what George said. This is a story. And I, I accept George in that, and that uh, I, I accept the creative Star Wars's take on his own stuff, but <laughs> I'm fascinated by what made Obi Wan switch. I think now I don't have to wonder. I think we'll start getting those answers. I hope. Yeah. I, hope I hope. From you were my brother. I loved you too. He needs to die. <laughs> he needs to die. He's gone. I tried. It's all there. Like uh, and and turning. I I I Obi Wan turning the chapter. Now we're just going to become an Obi Wan Kenobi series uh, preview. Um, but anyways, all that ties into it, into the conversation. I love that it, uh, I don't, I'm not an expert on Jedi lore as others are. I just sometimes take it as it, as it, as it plays uh, every time. Um, and I look at uh, Ahsoka and what she went through and say, yep, from her perspective, she's probably right. I went through not just what Luke went through, but what Luke has on his shoulders. Not a, not a slap in the face of, of Ahsoka Tano. I want to be clear about that. But she has a different kind of pressure on her shoulders right now. Luke has the pressure of the Jedi Order rebuilding it uh he's decided to take on that plan so again like that thing i always say about i said up top of just like you you might think you know better than your supervisor then you become the supervisor and you suddenly and maybe you were because there are bad supervisors out there and bad bosses but maybe you get there and suddenly are learned some knowledge or faced with pressures that you didn't understand prior to that uh, I'm not, you know, again, not, not downgrading Ahsoka, who's one of my top five favorite characters for most of my Star Wars existence now, um, uh, because of the questions she creates in me about the Jedi Order. It's one of the big things I love about her character. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. The debate, Ahsoka versus Luke, who is right? We don't yeah. know. We'll and that's him. why I think it had to be him. I would have, had to I, been him. Would have loved oh. a number of people. Because 
on, on, a, on an I love those characters level. But if you're going to do the let's explore two perspectives, that's why I love that Dave Filoni did that in Twin Sons. I love that he had Obi-Wan tell Maul he is the chosen one because, yeah, Dave learned from George and Dave in that understands George's view on it. But the characters, again, they don't know they're in Star Wars. And so he, they're allowed to have the differing take. And, you know, and Mark Hamill has said that from his and Ryan's point of view, Luke believed Ben Solo was the chosen one. And that hasn't been really explored in a concrete form, but that, maybe that was just his actor's process. But it, it, that, that view is there too. So it's interesting. And uh, we will close now on uh, the saddest uh, E.T. tribute I've ever seen. Uh, the saddest goodbye. Um, I was devastated by this. The fact that he has unmasked twice under duress, now unmasked uh, willingly and out of love. It is a send-off uh, or, or a tribute to a Shmi and Anakin in a lot of ways, but it is also, let me look upon you with my own eyes, but not out of death, out of a new beginning, but it's the son asking dad instead of the dad asking the son to take my mask off it's yeah. flipping everything in the most beautiful of ways the little ludwig like baby lullaby theme hits a little bit and uh it emotionally destroyed me so how did you feel about uh this this little button on the episode yeah uh it, well yeah button um we'll talk about the button button but um <laughs> yeah. this, this this is why it all build up I, I i don't want and i don't if you're super excited about luke and what you got of luke or anything this season that does not have to direct that does not directly relate to the Mandalorian, by the way, that's totally fine. I'm not suggesting that, but I don't want the story of the Mandalorian as portrayed by, uh, you know, Brendan Wayne, Latif Crowder and another name this year. I didn't write down yet. I saw he, he gets credited too for some things. And Pedro oh, Pascal, um, um, they've worked to create this character and it's the relationship with this, uh, this little one Grogu here. That's the story of these first two seasons. We can go a lot of different places now. We'll see. I don't want any, any other things in this episode to take away from that. This was the scene for me and, and, and it was for a lot of people. And I don't, you know, um, I don't have a, a child and I don't have a kid who's going to school. Um, I'm currently faced with a, a, bit of a building sad pet situation and and those connections are powerful too um so any kind of loss you feel any kind of going to the next chapter and having to let go is going to resonate uh it, it, this scene's going to resonate in you and that's part of what so is I, I keep saying this attachment um attachment is big because it's about letting go uh this is why i personally i know it's not for everyone love what Palpatine embodies in Rise of Skywalker, the idea of uh, not letting go of, of, of the past, not moving forward, not adapting, not growing, not finding a better piece of purpose, which is, is what Luke does. And uh, there's many things I love about the use of him in nine, but, but that's one of the big ones because it's central to the star Wars story, light, dark, what's the difference, power, greed, and uh, one of them to me is not letting go. And, and Din has to let go. You have to let people go. You have to be willing to move forward to the next phase of your life, despite all the tears and pain and struggles and not saying it's easy. That's part of the healing. And that's part of what uh, Din uh, goes through. Think of what he walks in and chapter one, the music plays and, and we're all like, what show are we getting to this moment? 
this was a badass bounty hunter going around the underworld just like that video, video game you always wanted. And it is the story of found family, love, letting go, growing, and becoming something different because of those around you, something our friend Andres Cabrera pointed out wonderfully on Twitter, but also just like, it, it, it's the friends we met along the way, but it, it, that's where it all ends up. That's powerful storytelling. That's why I think this series works yeah. more than just connecting to lore and that green lightsaber I like. Those are all fun things. But as Filoni tells you in the gallery series and Favreau nods his head because he's a good storyteller, those are all just the spices in the soup, the frosting on the cake, and that scene is what we all connected to. Uh, beautifully said. Well said. No, well said. You know, Force we're going to give four center well said drink. Uh, but it has that. Yeah. Again, I, I think about Favreau and Rick Famuyiwa joking in the gallery and, you know, and, and Rick's, you know, in reference to IG 11 and Quill, Rick, Rick says, and you killed them both, John. And John yeah. says, well, yeah, but the Westerns are about humanity. Like if you don't do these beats, you know, it's not just, uh, what did he say? The, the okay, okay corral or whatever he joked, like yeah. you know, jumping from horse to wagon. Like it's about this stuff. And, the way that, and I've seen some people say like, and again, I struggle. I'm not trying to come down on anyone, even though uh, I, I will occasionally uh, shoot from the hip on Twitter. Who am I kidding? I'm, I've as, seen this episode's, as this episode's coming out, I've already shot from the hip on Twitter. Uh, but it is this idea of cynicism. George never wanted you to be cynical. George was asking kids to make the choice between cynicism and, and optimism or, or openness, really. You know, you don't have to be optimistic about everything, but you openness. And people have this this read of the scene of look at all these characters that just shut up and stand back because luke skywalker's there or you know his presence you know undermined grogu and din but i would give credit to peyton for you know what peyton reed does here is he is focusing you know it's close-ups on pedro it's close-ups on the grogu puppet and it's it's going back and forth between them Luke walks away and we don't see his face anymore and the camera holds on Grogu. They're in the elevator, camera holds on Grogu. Din has the saddest, you know, smile and nod I've ever seen, you know, the, the see around kid moment. And it has, it's constantly reminding you where we are in the story. Ahsoka showed up, she walked away. You know, Boba Fett flew away. It's constantly reining it in on these characters and what it means here and how Din is learning these lessons of letting go. And I think that it's so effective to, and I, I cite my friend Nikki Kumar uh, from the Imperial Senate pod about how he said, we took this man from bring you in warm or bring you in cold to he means more to me than you will ever know. Like we were able to redefine what this human being is. And you go back to the sin, which might still be my favorite episode. I don't want to, it's, it's different ranking a show than it is ranking films. Um, but it is, uh, that line of my armor has lost its integrity. I may need to begin again. I think this is where he began again in a lot of ways. Like it was the longest reforging, you know, Louvre Gordonson has that track hammer time, you know, on the season one, like this entire show has been the reforging and the irony, the Mm -hmm. beautiful star Wars irony. How did you reforge by taking it off? Yeah. What are you going to be? Uh, on the inside, uh, yeah, no, that, that's what that's what is uh, that's what it's all about. That's what it has to be about, and and the next chapter is the next chapter. The next uh, the adventures of Din, however they go on, wherever and whenever they go on, will be a brand new thing, and and uh, and will be a powerful story continuing from it. And again, there's a lot of plot threads and all that kind of stuff. But how many times, you know, you 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 listen to me every now and then when I barf about this stuff. I, I Star Wars wants you to ask why. 
Why? Why is that character there? Why is that character back? Why did that character do that? That's the more important question. And, and, and along the way, there's some big whys asked of the Mandalorian, and, and he uh, continues to answer himself in, in uh, touching, important ways. Yeah. So, so I love the series. Yeah, and, and we know, again, versus it's, it's fans versus characters, what we know versus what they know. We know that Gideon's alive. We know that he already has the blood. We know that Pershing's still out there. We know that Mandalore is still, we saw the battle for Mandalore coming. We know all this stuff. We know that Carson Teva is showing up 10 minutes later to, you know, put caution tape up and survey the scene. We know it's yeah. happening, but, God, they, I hope so. but they don't know that. And, and for, so for Din, this is an emotional ending. Uh, yeah. So we will very quickly uh, address um, the other return of the Jedi payoff, which was, I mean, it was, it was as if Favreau walked into the room one day and said, remember how I popularized the end credit scene? Yeah, we're going to do that again. <laughs> it was uh, a weird moment because very cleverly, they got you used to looking at the gorgeous concept art by Chris Alsman and Brian Mattias and all this yeah. stuff. And then they hit you with the credits over black and you get Mark Hamill's name and you're like, okay, cool. Uh, I remember getting up to bring my coffee mug to the kitchen and then all of a sudden twin yeah. sons. And I was like, oh, what? Lucky for you. I turned it off. You found out after the fact. Uh, God bless the Force Center Discord. Uh, you know, also, you know, I watch it late. I'm out here in the West Coast. It's not as late as some other people have to watch it, but it's, you know, about, about 1.30 or whatever. And so Grace and I stay up late all the time, but like, it was just like, all right, it's time, time for bed. And we got a sick dog here. Let's get the dog to bed. And then I went to the Discord and I was like, who are these, what are they talking about? Book of Boba Fett? What are they, what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We didn't see any concept art, did we? God bless it. And I got to go back. And then I experienced it. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, just the, the pure comedy of, of Bib was, I think, fantastic. I mean, I, I, what I, I need the book of Bibs, you know, five great years, like living his <laughs> best life, uh, I, him crawling out of the wreckage of, surviving, of, yeah, of, surviving, the, of the barge yeah. and being like, wait a second, there's mm -hmm. no one at the castle. You know, he runs over to the palace, ah, he puts his feet up. Poor guy had his entire lifestyle wrecked now by Fennec and Boba, um, my my pirate, um, my pirate queen and king. That yeah. uh, I'm loving this pairing. I love just on an industry level of taking two actors in their 50s and highlighting them in this cool, you know, like rock and roll. It looks like a painting, an album cover. Uh, it, it's sexy with the spotchka, and Boba looks cool, and and the implications of him taking a leadership position after saying i'm not a mandalorian you know this is mine and everything and how he will redefine himself now it's like he looked at the galaxy while he was flying around with pershing interestingly we should note uh yeah. that's probably a conversation that's going to happen like oh you mentioned you were a cloner huh um okay. there's going to be that but where did what did boba think when he was driving around after he picked up fennec from the light cruiser what if i just took over the crime syndicate is yeah. such a you know, people sitting around in a, in, in a room at Lucasfilm being like, where do we take him? I don't know. Let's make him top management is so exciting yeah. to me. I do like it. And I like it because I'm, I, I've, uh, you know, Boba Fett's been in my life, uh, my whole life. And he was a cool figure to get. And I didn't really care for much after that. And, and, and it's not necessarily because of anything that happened to Return of the Jedi. That's how I found out about him first, really. Um, it wasn't that. I just... I didn't, I didn't get pulled in by a lot of EU stuff and, and, and just, and I know people that not people that just, there's a lot of people that have loved Boba Fett for years, not just because he's a cool costume, but that they do love the character. So let's give them uh, their due. 
But for me, it's not one of my favorite characters. But now I'm intrigued. And Tamara Morrison's great. And so, yeah, and I, I think I was pretty, even his first shot in, in chapter uh, nine, I thought it was one of the best acting performances because he just he's so much life and story in the eyes there. Um, I love, I, I can't wait to find out more. Um, uh, but what I love, you, you talked about, I know you're just kind of riffing and joking there about him going, oh, what do I do now? I think this is him going, this is what I've always wanted to do because I am not a good man. <laughs> I'm not going to suddenly you know turn good this is not going to be uh Jabba's palace is not going to become Boba Fett's uh house of uh you know music education for those in need this is going yeah. to be <laughs> that spot it just you know Fennec might not let him have uh Twilight slave uh, dancer girls which is a, a good upgrade and and that was a great moment too for me yes. and I do love the character Fennec Shan can't wait to see more of her in Bad Batch and maybe she'll interact with Boba Fett there yeah um, yeah so I, I, yeah, I think it is, uh, it is a rise to power. Uh, and I think this is something that he just, for whatever reason, it, this was the time and needed to take this amount of time. And uh, he's got a hole in his soul and I don't think he's filling it. You know, I yeah. don't think it's a story, it's a, a warm story of a man just finding his true purpose. I think like, how did this armor, I mean, we talked about it way back at the beginning of this conversation uh, about there's a you talked about that beautiful performance at the end of chapter nine black robe bald head scarred up boba Mm -hmm. getting that armor back and the violence that robert rodriguez portrayed in that episode and conveyed is him being like this this visceral like liberated like getting the armor back liberates him in a way that is inverse of din where now he's liberated by losing his armor this boba now has this ravenous like you know, there's all those rumors and, and talks for years of is well, Guillermo del Toro talking about, I want to do the Godfather with Jabba. We could see that here in, in, in a manner of speaking with Boba Fett. Yeah. And I, what my dream, you know, just, you know, speculating a little irresponsibly is uh, give me Amelia Clark in the book of Boba and, and give me that. Hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. I've been holding it down a little bit here uh, with Crimson Dawn. Uh, you need to peace out. I already took the cartel's not been a factor for a while. You need to, you need to step off, buddy. Uh, I don't care hey, about your palace. I'm good with that too. Maybe uh, you know she runs into Han Solo again, and uh, you know we all uh, you know you get in relationships, and some from from your past shows up to be like, you you sure? No, I don't know. Um, I, I could be interested. I, I just love the character of Kira so much, and you know you and I are fans of Amelia Clark. Uh, yeah, no, look. I keep saying this and to the point where eventually I'm going to get in trouble. This is not news. This is not a scoop. I do not know anything at all, 100%. I used to, back in the day at the old job, have a little more information at my hands than I do now. Um, I'm starting to become more convinced that the Book of Boba Fett has to do with those rumors that Mangold was directing Mandalorian uh, because Mangold was going to do the Boba Fett movie. Mm-hmm. And this could be some alternate version of that. And then he... And- Interestingly enough, you know, that, that real world note, uh, just as we wrap up, we are wrapping up here in a second, people. Robert Rodriguez outwardly said, I'm a last minute replacement director. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he said, I was, I was called up by John and John said, would you do this? You know, we need a fill in, uh, talk about a fill in. I mean, your, your, yeah, yeah. your B guy is Robert Rodriguez. You're, you're not hurting for good friends with talent. Uh, but yeah, it was, um, interesting that maybe, James was going to do that and maybe they were like oh James would you would you rather instead rework this over here who knows um yep. I, I I you know I don't know too much nor would I leak even if I did because that's not my style um, but yeah, yeah. yeah I, I would think that um this is not I would not worry for people listening that are like 
Are we going to take the focus off Din for a year? No way in hell. Um, these are going to be, I think, uh, uh, sister projects. Uh, and I would, that would be my guess. The idea of an interlude inside the old story, you know, um, uh, Joseph, Alex, and Molly and I were discussing that on, on their show Friday of just like, hey, if this is chapters, now we get the book of Boba Fett. Is this a new set of chapters for him? They go back. A lot of people have mentioned like some Battlestar Galactica stuff during the reboot series where there was some, um, you know, special event series that launched either season two or this and that. Yeah, I, I think you could, uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm hoping for more content. Give me a, give me a new show every eight weeks. I don't care because it's Star Wars and I love it. I just want to watch every second of it and, and, and digest it and, and, and see where it um, where it matters to me, how it affects my life. So I, uh, I'm intrigued by this. There's a lot of possibilities with uh, uh, the book of Boba Fett, uh, but I definitely don't think we're seeing the last of Din Djarin. There it is. There it is. So that's, that's how we'll close out. Beautiful last words there. Uh, looking to the future. I do want to give you a second though, of course, you know, we're going to plug away because that's what we do in this space. Uh, we're just sitting in our houses all of 2020 talking to each other and then plugging our stuff and everything. But you have a new venture coming up. I'm not sure how much you can tease. It's out there on the internet now. I don't even know much about it. I see these, these graphics popping up. I see these teases, you with some friends that, in the space that people may know. Um, if you want to talk about where they can find your book, your socials, your shows, and then your new sure. company show. Yeah. It, all of the above. Uh, yeah. So uh, quickly, you find me at Cadnapsock. Go to cadnapsock.com. Uh, yeah. Pick, I, you did, I didn't do much Christmas holiday season promotion for the book, but Why We Love Star Wars by Mango Publishing is out there. It was written prior to Rise of Skywalker and The Mandalorian. It is uh, my f- uh, 100 favorite moments in Star Wars, not in terms of ranking, but just how they grab me, the emotions. It's uh, called Why We Love Star Wars for a reason. It's, 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 we love this. And it, it can be the seismic charges, which is in my book. And one of the people flip for that coming back. And it can be the big, deep themes too. All the above. It's uh, there uh, wherever books are sold online. Check it out. Just Google uh, why we love Star Wars. I have a couple copies left in my own stash. If you want an autographed, uh, you know, personalized copy uh, through my website there. Uh, Force Center, please. Uh, let me uh, also highlight that. Force Center podcast feed. Uh, Joseph Scrimshaw, Jennifer Landa, when she can, uh, raising two kids, uh, she's uh, uh, made a choice to kind of uh, focus on that as she should, uh, and uh, but still my, very much part of our team. And go back and listen to our Happy Beeps episode, which are some of the best Star Wars podcasting out there. Um, so there's us and me, and we have a series of shows. We dive deep. We dive deep. You know, uh, we love. We just did two hours on Luke and Vader talking for three minutes in Return of the Jedi. So. If you love uh, friends just saying too many words about Star Wars, check out Force Center if you don't uh, already uh, listen. Final thing, thanks for giving me the opportunity. Something brand new coming in 2021. We're working really hard, literally on our hands and knees knees with masks safely as best we can, building a studio. Um, Josh McCuga, Mark Riley, and Eric Bass from the band Shinedown and me are launching a a new production company, which is uh, on the more uh, traditional kind of Hollywood stuff, but also uh, a digital brand. And as we're calling an empire fund called the Good People Association. It's not us that are good. It's the people out there that we want you to join. Come along. Um, There'll be some membership opportunities, but also a lot of public facing free content. fun, but also charity. There's going to be a big charity component. And the way we're looking at it, we've been in this business for a while now, but we are, uh, we have built literally a table uh, for everyone to come play with. There's a lot of cool people out there, some names that are people aren't super familiar with from our, uh, our LA kind of digital world. 
uh, that we're bringing aboard and just kind of having some fun. So coming soon in January 2021, uh, you can follow us at Good People GPA. There it is. Good People GPA for January 2021, new adventures, which the phrase January 2021 felt like a really long ways away for quite a while. All of a sudden, it's right around the corner. So people will be able to get more on that in quite literally a matter of days, you know, weeks, but really days. Uh, So that's exciting. And again, uh, Ken's all over. And and for people that are following this show, Ken's been on before. Ken will be on again. Uh, Love talking to you as always. And people can head down to the podcast description, just scroll down uh, and people will be able to find links to all of this stuff, uh, including the book and everything like that. As for me, you can find me personally at AD underscore Strider on Twitter, on Instagram at A period, D period Strider. You can find this show everywhere you get your podcasts for free. It's uh, Octo Radio, A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. Uh, I've gotten really good at saying that. Um, that's one skill I picked up in quarantine doing all these episodes. Uh, and then uh, shirts are going to be on sale soon. A new merch line that's a, a Star Wars uh, meets Hamilton crossover, which is exciting uh, that I worked with with Brian Ward, who of course Ken knows because he works with Force Center. That's going to be really exciting. Um, look for that in literally a matter of days at the time of this episode coming out. Just got the last design on those. And then in 2021, you can look forward to a couple new shows coming up, um, which is really exciting. So as for right now, for me, for Ken, for Force Center, GPA, Octo Radio. Punch it, Chewy.